Hello and welcome to another episode of Baseball Night. And Jack, we were just talking before we hit record. Um, last night was was not a, a great baseball night. It certainly was a long baseball night. Yeah, um, these games are moving at a snail's pace, and then which is crazy that until the eighth inning, it was a two to one game and still going so slow. And then we said we both kind of dozed. It was just too much. We dozed off. And when we woke up and put ourselves through it this morning, it was not a great ending. No, it wasn't a great ending. Uh, To tell you the truth, what was a great start with the early Bogarts home run and really had me feeling like, okay, this series isn't going back to Houston. Um, Quickly became, oh, my God. God, how did they leave another guy on second? Yeah. Doing your chest recently? Just showing that off for me? <laughs> no, I was typing something. Um, gotcha. So, yeah, what I found interesting was at one point they showed after Bogart's double they said Xander Bogarts has two hits and the Red Sox have three. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh. But they Which, were on base a lot. They, they were on base the whole game. Yeah, they missed opportunities with, with Granky in there. There's there's only uh, – the only guy who didn't leave anybody on base last night was when Shaw pinch hit for Arroyo. He was the only Red Sox to not leave anybody on base. Oh, wow, yeah, I'm looking at the box score. Look at that. They had 19 guys left on base. Mm-hmm. Jeez. I didn't realize that. Wow. Um, yeah, they have uh, – they have been on fire, though. So, like, last night was kind of bound to happen based on the end of the Rays series and the beginning of the series. Up until this series – up until that game, they were averaging eight runs per game in the series. Um, and with uh, Bogart's home run last night, they now have, and double, they now have 18 extra base hits. So that sucked yeah. last night, but the offense has been on fire. Well, they have been. Uh, last night, they didn't cash in anything. But again, they were on base, and... It just changed from – it seemed like they kind of snapped into a whole different mindset in the playoffs where they said, hey, we're not going to swing at the first two pitches of every at-bat. We're kind of going to work on it and get people on base, uh, which has definitely paid off because they're scoring runs with the exception of last night. They're scoring runs at a pretty good clip, especially for a, a playoff team. Um, and that's all bolstered by Kike Hernandez being – the best hitter on the planet. Uh, I mean, he's hitting 500 in the postseason. There's some other guys that have just kind of mediocre numbers when you look at them. Uh, Devers is up around 300. Verdugo's having a pretty hot playoffs. J.D. Martinez has been good. Uh, But, if I mean, Kike has been light in the fuse for sure. And last night, I mean, one for five, and that one hit was late. Um, But, again, I think – I'm surprised that the the Astros bullpen kept getting out of those jams. I don't think 
the Red Sox helped them out. I don't think Laz Diaz helped anybody out last night on either side. Um, but again, I still, I, last night sucked. And it really sucked that Uvalde came out of the pen late and got absolutely smashed because uh, I, don't know what, I don't know what that's going to do for game six or game seven if you need it now with Uvalde. Um, but yeah, I think I still feel good about how they look. They were still having good at bats last night. I think one at bat where Kike Hernandez fouled the second pitch off straight up and it was a, he got jammed. I think that was the only one I said, oh, that wasn't a good at bat. But they still look good at the plate. Just couldn't cash in last night. So in this, hold on, where is this? All right. So the postseason OPS for the first six hitters. Now, this was before last night. Um, so I don't know if they're updated. Um, but going into that game, it was Schwarber had 955, Kike had 1.541, which is, he, him turning into Willie Mays has really made them a lot better. If, you know, if you were Willie Mays the whole year, they probably would have won the, the division. Um, Devers is 1.077. Bogarts is the lowest on the list with a 9.10 OPS. Verdugo, 9.35. And J.D. Martinez, 1.310. To have over one is insane. And it's just one of those things where, so that was before first pitch last night. It just, it wasn't going to keep up. And it sucks. And like you said, it sucks that Evaldi and did so bad that they had to rely on Martin Perez. Yeah. Um, That's your nuclear option out of the pen. And he, I mean, he proved that. I mean, he didn't get anybody out when he came. Uh, no. And unfortunately, the one, the ambush, Jose Altuve fastball to Whitlock. I mean, that's not great either. Because, I mean, Whitlock goes in for two innings, allows that one run, gets the big double play right after that. But, I mean, that's just not – it wasn't an all-around great game for the bullpen like it was for Houston's bullpen, who allowed, I think, two hits. Yeah, th- I think three hits after the second inning, which is – Pretty lights out. They did walk a lot of guys. They walked a lot of guys, but. So the Altuve thing was so annoying because you have to like look at it and say, we've gotten lucky. I think three times. I think he missed three fastballs and popped them up. He missed the first pitch of the game. The first pitch of the game, he popped up to deep left field and it should have been over the monster. Uh, and, and but yeah, the... maybe stop, maybe stop throwing fastball right down the middle. They, uh, to they one showed of the a best replay. Season hitters of all time. Yeah, they showed a replay of the, I think his third at bat, and John Smoltz was like, he just doesn't miss this pitch, and he did. He popped it up weekly again. It was ninety six right down the middle, and then, sure enough, they went for it again, and yeah, he went so deep, which sucks because I feel like if Whitlock had just thrown his nasty change up there, he would have been so out in front of it. Yep. And it sucks because Whitlock has now pitched four innings and given up one run, but people are going to be like, you know, Whitlock didn't – he didn't do his job, so I'm not going to say that. He blew a save, but – Yeah, four in the innings, inning of a playoff game. Yeah, four innings, one run compared to – Still nasty. 
what you've gotten from other guys, especially last night. And then, you know, Sale wasn't good again in his last start. Houck gave up a home run, which was unfortunate. Um, yeah, I mean, Pavetta looked good last night, but he got, again, ambushed with a solo shot in the first. Yeah, and I don't – Man. I don't get it. They really – go ahead and start. I just don't get – I know that multiple times through the order thing, but Pavetta threw 65 pitches. If you go one and, you know, Josh Taylor came in and out of, you know, I mean, Josh Taylor gave up a hit and had didn't finish the inning, but out came in, they got out of it on like three pitches, I think, mm-hmm. but he, or four pitches. I don't get why you can't, he, we've talked about it a lot. He, Cora takes out the hot pitcher it seems too quick and he leaves in the guy that doesn't have it too long. Mm-hmm. It's a weird, I trust this guy to get to work this out. And I don't trust this guy to keep this up. It's a weird mix. Yeah. Um, but I think the, uh, the bullpen has been their problem all year round with the only reliable person in that bullpen, Garrett Whitlock you know, giving up a, a game-tying home run yesterday. So I, every time – I mean, I saw Brazer warming up last night and thought to myself, oh, no. <laughs> but, so that ninth inning last night but, showed two warts. Well, one wart in one wound that had been like a scab for a while but got ripped off when you reached for something in the cabinet last night. And so the wart is not having a lockdown closer because if you're tied in the ninth, you can just bring that guy in. There's no more chance of a save save opportunity. If you enter the ninth inning at home with a tie, you don't need him for a save. You can't have one, but you can bring him in top of the ninth and get, you know, it's essentially safe. You get to the, you get to the home half the inning and don't have to, and probably don't give up a run. They don't have that guy. Actually, I haven't had that guy in a while since um, Kimbrell fell off the edge in 2018. So, and then the, the scab that got ripped off. Mookie Betts catches that that Correa double. Yeah. Mookie Betts. Sure does. Absolutely. Catch. And I like Verdugo. I've said this before. I like Verdugo, but that is that's just a pop out and it's like Moogie Betts runs it down and it's not even spectacular. It's like, he just makes the right angle. Good jump makes a catch. Simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, back to that bullpen thing you were talking about. I mean, the first half of this year, uh, Barnes was the best closer in all of baseball. Um, and, and that was, I don't, I honestly, I, I can't even remember any pitcher falling off that hard uh, from Barnes being a shut down dominant closer, getting on his first all-star team to getting into the middle of August. And he was, he wasn't even rostered to through September. Was he wasn't even on the roster? I think he got, did he test positive for COVID? Because I don't, I, there was a time, there was a period of time in the late summer where I thought to myself, 
I haven't even heard news on Matt Barnes, and I know, but the only thing I know is he's not closing games anymore. Yeah, I think he did. I think he tested positive. He was one of the guys. All right. Well, bummer for him, but I don't. Th- I think he was pitching poorly before that positive test. Um, oh, he totally was. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's probably a good point about Mookie. Um, that was a. I mean, it was Renfro, not Verdugo, right? And right. Yeah, I'm just saying they were. Yeah, I get what you're saying, but all right, yeah, but uh, I mean, but I was saying that because Renfro is a a good fielder. Uh, with a really good arm, but you're right. He's not Mookie Betts level of hustling to the line to get a fly ball. Um, and yeah, I just, I don't know. It sucked. It sucked that it was Uvalde too. Uvalde late in that game, just to give up the. I think he ended up giving up four or maybe three. But yikes, he looked like crap, <laughs> and he was not. I don't know. I feel like uh, with the exception of Pavetta last night, every guy was missing or at least throwing strikes in bad places in, in the strike zone. And the Astros were hitting it hard. Um, but then I felt that way about the, the Red Sox and, and Granky. They were hitting Granky hard uh, and having good at-bats against him because he really didn't have anything. But somehow he just kept getting out of – well, I mean, he was pulled in the second, so. But still, they, they should have cashed in more runs on him. I feel like they should have had five or six in the early innings last night. Yeah, he, should, he shouldn't have got, gotten out with only um, two runs given up. Even though it was only, wasn't even two innings, it should have been more. They, the missed opportunities with him were just so bad. Yeah. So, um, I mean, they missed a lot of opportunities with the other guys that came in. I mean, I don't think, and granted, I'm not a major league hitter. I didn't think Christian Javier last night was throwing nasty stuff to be, uh, you know, unhittable through two and a half innings or however long they gave him. I, he looked like, again, all those guys, Rayleigh, they looked like guys that the Red Sox should have mashed against, but they just, for whatever reason, couldn't cash in. Even yeah. they, they had some hard outs, too. Uh, they had a couple of really bad-looking strikeouts, and one in particular on uh, J.D. Martinez' walk that was about a foot and a half outside. That was called strike three. But Yeah, so I sent you guys the thing Jeff Passon said. Um, Vlas Diaz. So that's the big thing. Everyone's talking about is the missed curveball. He missed 23 ball strike calls last night, but 12 were for the Red Sox and 11 were for the Astros. So he he was just as bad for both. Um, but yeah, he the the pitching Christian Javier was weird because it was always just like they'd roll over or something. Mm-hmm. They um he th- he seems to have like good stuff, but it didn't seem like he was. I don't know, Bruce Bruce Star Gratterall in there throwing a hundred and two mile an hour sinkers. No, I mean I think he kept jamming people. He kept going super inside on people, and the Red Sox were just kind of like obliging him. 
Uh, I know Kike got jammed by him. I think JD Martinez got jammed by him. Um, and just kind of producing that weak stuff. But then again, I mean, there was a one shot by Verdugo that I thought was going to get off the monster and score with Bogarts from second. And that was just a, like kind of a, almost a lazy fly out. Yeah. Yeah. They did. Other than Bogarts, they didn't make really solid co- contact on him. I guess, well, Arroyo had the triple on him, but those two, they didn't turn into yeah, anything. Yeah, that was down the line. That was uh, with one out, or were there, was he a leadoff batter in that inning? Because, again, they they had so many runners in scoring position. I know we've talked about 19 men left on base, but how, you got to figure in how many of those guys were actually in scoring position. Early, they had a lot of guys on second. Late, they had that Arroyo triple. Yeah, I don't that I know Arroyo's triple is with two with one out because it's like the the time you can risk going to third, you're not making the first or last out there. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, you just need a pop fly at that point. That was that was a real that hurt because it was Schwarber and then Kike. Yeah, well, so what's flying under the radar a little bit because he hit a grand slam is Schwarber's batting 176. And, and run Hunter for Renfro Renfro's batting and, under 100. So oh, there are two, yeah, two major power threats there. That again, I think the reason their offense looks so super bloated is because of Kike Hernandez, Devers hitting a home run once every night, and Mar- and JD Martinez being on fire. There are a lot of guys uh, who should be having big at bats, and who knows, Schwarber can get hot in a second. Uh, and carry it through a whole game. But, yeah, even him, he hasn't looked that great. Last night he scared everybody with uh, the hamstring flare-up that he had while he was batting. He looked like he was all right, but I'd rather have him leading off there and uh, playing first than Bobby Dahlbach playing ninth and playing first, or batting ninth and playing first. But, yeah, yeah, he hasn't been great this year, or this series, except for that Grand Slam. So which the um the other thing that's inflating everything is the grand slams. Like you hit two grand slams in a game, that's insane, and you don't need to do anything else because quietly when they hit those two grand slams, the Astros kept stayed in the game as a four-run game. You would expect that to be a complete blowout. Mm-hmm. So and then obviously. The other night, game three was just was just a beat down in Erod, who we haven't talked about yet. He looked great, but it's one of those things where so game five is gonna be sale. I'm guessing mm-hmm. game six would be Erod and then well, maybe not. Ivaldi with he only pitched what two thirds of an inning inning. But I don't know. I do I'm sorry, I'm not comfortable with Erod starting a game seven. Nope. So he's just a guy that, yeah, you can look great here, but next game you could give up four in the first inning and like not find the plate, nibble on the edges, and then well, let up a, a bases clearing double. Yeah, I um, the only thing that I think is really saving the Red Sox is how bad. I mean, not I mean how bad of a staff the Astros have. Because that, that's that's really what makes both of these teams so competitive is the no star knockout ace on either side. Um, 
to just put in there and stop a game. And I know we're at the point right now in baseball that even if Chris Sale goes out tonight and he strikes out the first six batters, he's probably getting pulled after the fifth inning. If he has his best case scenario tonight is five strong innings, right? It's not like Cora's going to let him go seven. Yeah. Even if he has no hit stuff, he probably won't even go seven innings like that. I, I just don't think that's ever going to happen again. Um, unless you get a guy like DeGrom in the playoffs, but you know, he plays for the Mets. So there's just, uh, I just think the best case scenario tonight, unfortunately, is Sale gives up, you know, less than two runs and hands it over to the bullpen in the fifth. And even in double, unfortunately, he hasn't done that in weeks. Yeah, I think um, Sale getting to Hauk and it being manageable gives them such a good shot. Um, the it, It's just the fact, like, I can't – I just don't want to see like another like game two where he's like taken out in the third inning. It, you just give him give him four, and then you can have Hulk go five, six, seven. You know. Oh yeah. And then they need they need Chris Sale to be Chris Sale or some <laughs> excuse me some version of Chris Sale to actually to be productive. He can't throw. He can't let five base runners reach in the first two innings. He, he can't miss with 93 in the, in the zone, especially like my biggest fear is that, uh, again, it's just an ambush where Altuve goes out there and he's just sitting on that first pitch fastball by sale and hits it over the monster. And I think that's, especially on that matchup, I mean, the, the Astros must be, all those power righties they have. I mean, Alvarez hits lefties well, too. But Altuve, Bregman, Correa, those are all going to be very high-stress at-bats starting from the first pitch of the game. And in the past four weeks, nothing that Chris Sale has showed you or me or anyone except for Nate Yavaldi has been anywhere near what it should be as the ace of a staff going into a playoff run. Yeah. I think the ace label has to be taken off. I think we might be dealing with a guy who is his name has a reputation with it. And that just might not be the case anymore. Oh yeah. I mean, I don't think he's full on Chris Davis territory yet, but he's definitely not the Chris sale, uh, I mean, of what, 2017, he won 20 games with the Red Sox. Uh, But I don't think the Red Sox have ever had the Chris Sale that was at the peak of his pitching power uh, when he was with the White Sox. Um, I might push back Maybe the 300 strikeout year. Yeah, 2017, he struck out 300 guys, was second in the Cy Young, um, and had a – Where's the where's ERA on this thing? Where is it? Hold on. Oh, oh my God. It's always ERA plus. They don't. Oh, there it is. At 2.9 ERA. And the next year he had a 2.1 ERA. 
he pitched 214 innings in 2017. Obviously, he's not come close to that, but. No, that, they, I, that's crazy. I didn't think he pitched that often in 2018. I thought he was hurt most of that time. 17, 18, he was really good. And then it's been bad since then. But um, right. yeah, so he is, oh man, Chris Hill's younger than me. That's crazy. I don't like that. Oh man, it's like I just bit into a hot pepper. That's weird. Um, yeah, that's tough. That's tough. So the back to the Houston starter thing, I had done all my research for yesterday, but. Good morning, husband. I excuse the interruption. Students, I just want to remind you. We got an interruption here. Kids have been very naughty this year. Yeah, Jason will do that. So we start that again. So based on the Houston starter thing, I'd done all my research for, for yesterday, but you know, work happens, work and kids and not sleeping because these games are on at eight while the West coast game plays at five. I'm, I'm baffled by it. Um, the Houston starters, I just re-ran my numbers now have an ERA of 20.32 in a, in 6.2 innings through four games. They've made it through 6.2 innings. So like you said, there's the hope. Right. That's the chance that they have. Um, no, <clears throat> they don't. And I, I know you'd asked uh, if they have a guy who can slow down the Red Sox. And apparently they had a bunch of them last night to uh, piece together. But in overall, no. I mean, that's – and I think – the, the Red Sox got to get out early and, and score more than two runs. I mean, you can't be angry with a two-run homer in the first inning, but they really got to capitalize because these Houston – and I don't even think the back end of their bullpen, maybe with the exception of Graveman, who looked legitimately like a stud at the end of that game last night. I, um, I didn't know. I don't think they have anybody. Yeah, I didn't either. I didn't know it's. I didn't realize even watching him pitch earlier in this game that his slider that much. I mean, he's a, he's a good pitcher. Um, but I, again, I don't think anybody else on that team looked nearly that good and he gave him two solid innings, but unfortunately nobody in the Sox pen looked good last night, even their best pitcher all so who knows? It might be another one of those games where one of the teams scores nine runs, which I think that's happened in what all four games. Um, the, uh, Maybe with me, the exception of the first one. Let me look. It is no, the first one was five to four. That equals nine. Okay. Um, quick math there. But so here's my worry. Frambar Framber Valdez. Like he pitched so bad that first or game two. I don't know. I feel like 
maybe he'll just be on. And then if he if he can get like five innings and sailed sailed kind of collapses, now you're going down going to Houston down three two, which is not not ideal. No, they can't go to Houston with a uh, a deficit. Um, but yeah, I mean, Framber Valdez did pitch like crap in the second game. Uh, but I don't, I don't know that he'll just suddenly find it. I think, uh, especially in Fenway, um, I think a lot of why Granky was pitching so poorly early was the crowd was really on him and into him, and then they kind of like faded off when the the bullpen arms kind of got in there. Uh, but I don't think Framber Valdez being lefty righty against. Uh, the Red Sox at Fenway is, is a good matchup for Houston. Yeah, he um, in this season he walked five guys a game, five five guys per nine innings, but he also struck out ten. So that's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of he can get him, he can miss some bats, and then inside Jack. Dear listener, if you're listening, Tom and Jack, your favorite podcast hosts are both working today. And it seems like somebody had just come into Tom's office. And instead of give you dead air, I'll just vamp a little bit without Tom. Probably going to get into the Dodgers Brave series later, but wow, boy. That is exactly how much you miss Mookie Betts right there. Coming up with a clutch hit in the eighth after Bellinger tied it. Man, once in – I don't want to say once in a generation player because I do think that you have guys like Trout and Otani that you can compare to them, which is just, you know, not fair to really how good Mookie is that he plays in the same generation as those fellas. But Mookie Betts is such a good baseball player, and he does everything right. And, again, you just have that solid comparison – uh, especially if both teams advance to the World Series, you're going to have to see him for seven games, you know, at most. And it's just, it's going to be right there in your face. And I feel like he's the kind of dominant that if he does get to the World Series, he'll have a Kike Hernandez type series where he'll hit four or 500 with three or four home runs and just be a thorn in our side, especially in the field. And when he comes back to play right field, in Fenway, I mean, Tom and I talked about it a little early on the podcast. When he comes back to play right field in Fenway, if they both advance, it is going to be such a stark comparison to even Verdugo, who plays it really well. The guy's just a flat-out baseball player. And, uh, you know, he's going to go down as one of the biggest losses in Boston sports history. A real bummer, though, that they didn't pick up a game in Fenway. Because the Red Sox, uh, really after they get off their bad all-star break start through through really August and September, their bad post-all-star break slide, and through August and September, they really played well at Fenway Park. Um, And again, I thought that was going to carry through the whole series. Crowd really let Granke and the Astros off the hook last night. Either they cheered themselves out or they got just too worked up in it. But, yeah, who knows? 
They got to bring it tonight. They got to get on Framber Valdez. Okay. Well. <laughs> all right. So, um, one last thing on this. It's the best two out of three series here. So, what do you think? I think that the Astros pitching sucks. I think that the Red Sox have a legitimate chance. Um, I really wish it wasn't two out of three games, one in Fenway and one in, in two in Houston. But um, uh, I, I, get, I hate this saying a lot in sports, but they have to win. This is a must-win game tonight. They have to win. I think whoever wins tonight will win the series. Agreed, yeah. So – this is the thing. I'm sorry, just to go back to uh, kind of like another missed opportunity. If you're if you have a home field advantage and you saw it like in the Rays series, which is something we never really talked about with that ball going off Renfro's chest and then bouncing over, and that well, that was its own controversy. But the real home field advantage came in the ninth when it was still tied. You have so many multiple chances to walk off. And to make it so highly uncompetitive in the ninth inning that you can't even give yourself a chance without a grand slam, uh, that really is just such a – it takes the home field advantage right out of it. That seven-run ninth just leaves such a bad taste in your mouth for tonight or for this afternoon. I just checked. This is a 5 o'clock game today. I know. I'm pumped. I'm so happy oh, they, just, so am I. they decide to flip that. Um yeah, so for me, it's, I mean, we talked about it before, and it's Chris Sale. Chris Sale is, makes $17 million. Chris Sale is supposed to be your ace. Like you said, cliched, but the, the epitome of a must-win game, that's not an elimination game. Yeah. I'm terrified it has to of be him. Chris Sale. Yeah, okay. me too. He has to... In reality, he has to go out and give you five scoreless innings. Jack, I swear to God, I'm I'm fine with four. <laughs> I'm if he can get four. Uh, they, use, they use a lot of guys in them. Well, that's true. They have Hauk. Hauk's probably going to be the guy coming out of the bullpen. Yeah. So that's and it the... kind of sucks that Cora has to manage um, Chris Sale as an Hauk and Sale at the same time. He has to manage. Uh, a tag team partner for Chris sale, just in case it gets out of hand too fast. Like that's when, when you said he has the name of Chris sale, a former dominant Cy Young winner, he does still have that appeal, but I think Cora knows that he doesn't have that stuff. He doesn't have anywhere near that stuff. Totally. Um, Unless he goes balls out and he can just throw 97 the whole night tonight. He did that for like the first inning in Houston but man, he just kept walking everybody. He so here's my thing. This is what I I feel when I watch Chris Sale pitch right now. He knows he doesn't have it, and he nibbles, and then he nibbles and nibbles and gets guys on base, and then he makes a mistake and see you later. Yeah, which is uh, not a great way to go pitch. No, like, you know, shit. Maybe let's not miss there, and then bang and there are guys like i know we've said it pretty much for the past three weeks but there is a game that jordan alvarez is going to take over 
So you have to like manage that too. Like again, the, the one through six, the Red Sox are really good. We've talked about their OPS, but one through six, maybe with the exception of Michael Brantley right now, the Astros are very good hitters and all six of those guys could go off. Um, so yeah, it's, it's literally managing around one of them having a big game and I don't know. I, I, if, if if you're right, if sale gives you four scoreless, just pull him, just pull him and get Hauk in there. It honestly doesn't even have to be scoreless. It just has to be under three. One yeah, or two runs, that's fine. If he goes four innings with two runs, why, that's fine. Yeah, I don't know that Cora is going to let him get a leash for giving up any runs and staying in the game. That might go back to that mental thing where Chris Sale knows he doesn't have it and he knows how bad he's pitching. Yeah, that's true. I mean, depends on... So how- he's pretty much got to be perfect for him to even get through four. Because I think if he allows... a, it, Definitely if he allows a home run, I think he's coming out of the game. If there's more than one base runner on at a certain time, I think Cora is just, he's quick with a hook on sale and maybe not for somebody like, you know, Pavetta, who it sounds crazy, but Pavetta's just been more consistent over the past two months than Chris Sale has. Yeah, Sale beat really crappy teams. All year. He didn't get a chance to really like have to bear down and, and have and pitch a big game. You uh, I remember you texted us once in the group when they got swept by the Yankees. It was like, why isn't sale pitching? And I don't know why I didn't text us back. I must have read it somewhere and not had the time. But it's because he would have got lit up and they're trying to build his confidence. That's why. Yeah, I get that. But he has to realize that pitching against the Orioles, like one of the worst teams in baseball, in recent baseball history for sure. Uh, and the, he has to know that these aren't the same teams he's going to face in, you know, in, I mean, even still, he. I guess that's right, but. Uh, it's showing its face now because now you have to worry about him letting runners on because there's that 94 mile an hour fastball. It's just going to miss letter high. Yeah. So we'll see. I'm terrified that we, uh, I'm afraid we, <clears throat> they got the absolute max out of this team that they could have, and it's starting to catch up, but yeah. So real quick, I think that, they're over they've been overachieving since uh late april (laughs) yeah and definitely since that raised series where it was like you know if they had won game two there had that awesome game two win and then they ended up losing a series it would have been like all right that makes sense now it's now it's the worst because they put ideas in our head exactly well yeah exactly like i said if we if we did this podcast yesterday it oh. would have been an entirely different tone. Totally. Uh, so maybe it was good. Yeah. Um, of so, us having horrible, horrible takes. <laughs> so my que- so shifting to the NLCS, the thing I like, mm-hmm. I was so close to texting last night was the Braves are up by three <clears throat> and 
I was so close to saying the Braves in the World Series against the Red Sox has me thinking some crazy thoughts. And then as I'm like debating, typing this out to you guys, Bellinger hits a three-run homer, and I'm like, good. You got, you good got no dodgered. Text. You got dodgered. But is is it crazy to say I think actually that shifted the series and the Dodgers are going to win now? No, I think the Dodgers are going to win all three of their games in L.A. I think they're going to go back to Atlanta 3-2. Um, that Those two games in Atlanta goes back to not making the competitive ninth inning, um, having a seven-run top, top of the ninth because both of those games, that, I mean, I think both were on an error at second base, right? That put him in a position to win. Uh, yeah. It was Chris Taylor and then Corey Seager mm-hmm. in both games. N- Just getting last at bats in a tie game is such a giant advantage. I mean, these are major leaguers who can, if they want, you know, try to manufacture a run for the win. I mean, that the way they walked off the race series was a, a, a sack fly from Kike, right? In Danny Santana, yeah. Yeah, after the Arroyo bunt. So I don't know that the Braves are that much better. They just have home field advantage, which, again, against the team that had 107 wins. Um, yeah, well, I don't think they're better. I think – and it's just funny that they had 88 wins to the 106 and they started two, in they Atlanta. They got a series 2-0 because they had lasted bats and walked off. I, but I think the Dodgers are better. I mean – when you went to uh, go handle whatever you did for work there, I did a, a monologue on yeah. uh, the stark comparison. It actually would be if Mookie Betts and the Dodgers come back to play the Red Sox in the World Series. Um, so that's a huge thing. I'm like terrified of that. I said it's gonna. He's gonna have a Kike series where he hits 500 and has four, five, three or four homers, like. I, I just think that last night uh, in that at bat after the Bellinger home run where he put him ahead, I mean, that is just a classic Mookie laser to the right center field gap with mm-hmm. a runner in scoring position that, again, I like Verdugo. I like Renfro. They're not even close to the type of hit or, or baseball player Mookie bets this. No, not at all. So, yeah, I think we agree that the Dodgers win. And again, the, the Dodgers pitching is just so much better than anybody else in the playoffs right now. Um, well, yeah, but the thing is, is they, um, they over manage their pitchers. It's stupid. Yeah, I feel like um, there are a lot of those guys who came out of the Rays office and became GMs and are just so by the numbers that they feel like they have to over or go over the head of their actual baseball manager in a dugout. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's happening with Andrew Friedman and Dave Roberts. Totally. So I even tried to read it. Like I read an article. I was like, let me read something about this. And <laughs> Arias, the the reason, which is crazy to think of this, they started Knable, 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 because Knable, yeah. Austin Riley scares them so much. Lefty righty matchups, 
So they basically had one less time where Riley would face a, a left-handed pitcher in Arias. And I was just like, I get it, but you lost and you've used at least six pitchers every game. They used eight yesterday, maybe more. It's just, it. I feel like they have better pitching, but when you pull Max Scherzer after four innings and then you six guys after him, it's like, or do you even have an advantage because you have Max Scherzer? I don't think so. No. And you're not letting, I mean, that's, Scherzer is like the one guy right now in all of baseball who you could send out in the sixth inning of a close game that he started or the seventh inning of a close game that he started. And not only like uh, hope that he gets you out of it, expect that he gets you out of it. Max Scherzer being pulled out for the fourth inning is I, he gave up what a run. Did he give up anything or was yeah. it just a run? Let me see. Let me off to check that, but he, let's see. So he pitched game two, right? It's a one. Yep. Game two. He pitched four innings and gave up two runs through 79 pitches. But the, I don't know. I just feel like <clears throat> then you go on to use Joe Kelly, Blake Trine, and Arias blows a save. So you're using this guy, this starter, like Cora's been using starters, and they're blowing saves. I, I don't know. I just I think it's kind of silly. And sometimes, like, sometimes, call me crazy, a righty pitcher can get out a lefty batter, and a lefty pitcher can get out a righty batter if they're that good. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. At so, least, I mean, the, the one thing that has helped is that three batter rule because I feel like yeah. it would be even worse if it was still the I'm going to bring in a righty for this guy, I'm going to bring in a lefty for this guy, and then I'm going to bring in a righty for this guy. Oh, totally. I mean, we'd be going to bed at 1 o'clock, and I'd be waking up at 2.30 to change a diaper, and it would be miserable. Um, so just one last nugget before we leave. Marinate on this. Turn Chris Sale into what? Ah, what's his name? Andrew Miller was for the 2016 Indians. Think about it. Yeah, I mean, say one inning throw think, at 98. I think I had. Uh, I think I said that about either Whitlock or Hauk, uh when, on our first show. I mean, you have to have somebody in that role. The only thing about Chris Sale and the difference is. I don't think his stuff is nearly as good as Andrew Miller's was uh, when he went for that run. No, but the way I look at it is if he knows he's going one inning, like, have you noticed he's pitching, he's throwing 94, 95, and then it's like everyone's standing up. He knows it's his last pitch. It's 97. If he knows he's, his goal is to throw 12 to 15 pitches, that changes a lot. And if you can get him there and you can start Hulk over him, then there you go. Think about yeah, it. Maybe I, not this year. No, Maybe it's I, the thing they do next year. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah. So long-term plans, and I know we're going to get uh, – we weren't planning on getting this, but long-term plans is seeing, like, 
Whitlock and Hulk both in your rotation next year, right? Yeah. So I don't know where Chris Sale fits because if I, that's my math, he's your fifth starter. Maybe Eddie Throwing. Rodriguez. I don't know. I, I'm I'm not prepared to. I'm I'm gonna need the month of November and December to marinate on that. But I just gave you a nice <laughs> garlic and herb sauce. And we'll like talk again in the it. winter meetings. We'll bring this up again in the winter meetings. Yeah, yeah. but for now, um, <laughs> good luck tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Go Red Sox. Bye, Tom. See ya.